Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gow. Karen Cooper, Maine kelp farmer. Man, there's a lot to talk about. And we talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. Welcome to Open Field Radio, raising the hip factor in agriculture. You know, that's a real deal. We really do that here. We're glad you joined us. Man, what a cool show today. Before I forget, Happy New Year to everybody. Hope your new year is going to be awesome. Mine is. I don't know about yours, but mine's going to be very awesome. Anyways, really cool episode today. We got Karen Cooper with us. She is a kelp farmer. That's right, a kelp farmer out of Maine. Now, the backstory to this is I don't know how many emails and schedules we sent to each other back and forth trying to make this thing happen, but there was always something going on keeping us from talking. And we finally lined it up and we said, if we don't do it now, it'll never happen. Got it done. Fun interview. She's super cool, super fun. By the way, she got a cool accent too. Listen for that. And we just had a great time talking about what she does. And what she does is so unique. And so different than um, where my head was on this anyways. I don't know where yours is, but mine did not think it was this cool. Kelp farming. Who knew? So get ready for that. It's uh, it's worth every breath. It's really a fun interview. Before I forget, I want to shout out to JSP Farms in southwest Saskatchewan, Canada. They sent us a really great photo on Instagram today. Thanks for that. You guys look fantastic. Looks cold. Looks pretty darn cold there. That's all I can say. But thanks for the photo, and uh, here's to summer, okay? Don't forget, you can connect with us on Instagram. Just open field radio on Instagram. Come find us. Come join us on there. There's Well, we're pretty busy on there. We like to stay busy on the Instagram. Anyway, speaking of busy, don't forget about the Open Field Radio website. Come join us there. Subscribe there. It's easy. Just you can figure it out. And I promise you we won't spam you with a bunch of stuff or anything else. We just want you to join the party and the conversation. You know what I mean? It's very, very cool. And the show continues to grow, and that's because of you, the listener. Thank you very much to everyone who listens and participates because that definitely pushes the show forward. And you know what? The charts show that. And we thank you for that, and we'll continue to keep you updated as this little show continues continues to grow. Well, moving on, we got Karen Cooper, Open Field Radio Season 3, Episode 3, coming at you in plus or minus 90 seconds. Open Field Radio. Remember that time your dad walked in and said, get off the couch and get a job? And you're like, a job? Come on. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. Raising the hip factor in agriculture. Yeah. Open Field Radio. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. This is Larry Jameson from Maple Grove, Minnesota, and I'm driving across the great state of Iowa and listening to Open Field Radio. Connecting with the best audience in ag podcasts. One episode at a time, one listener at a time. Open Field Radio. 
Well, get ready. Here we go. Open Field Radio, Season 3, Episode 3, Karen Cooper, Kelp Farming. It starts right now. Well, I, I discovered you. I don't know if you know this or not, but I discovered you. I did an interview with Janice Stillman from the uh, Old Farmer's Almanac. And uh-huh. she said, yeah. and it just kind of came, it was like one of these fleeting comments. It wasn't, it was nothing. And she said something about a kelp farmer she knew in Maine and blah, 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 blah. That went on. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And um, <laughs> I meant to ask her, who was that? And I totally forgot. And then my only connection to her was through her PR firm or whatever it was that handles Old Farmer's Almanac. And I had to write them and go, hi, and this and that. And hence, here we are. They got me the contact to you. So it was kind of cool, kind of roundabout, but kind of fun. I was like, you didn't go out and buy an Old Farmer's Almanac just to see? <laughs> Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. I actually yeah. have a copy of it here, and I didn't think to look there. I mean, I don't know why, but I was like, ah. <laughs> I have, I looked you up. I found more cool videos that you are in about your story. And I don't want to give the whole thing away because I want to hear it from you, but I've seen it. But I mean, super impressed. Kelp farming is not something we hear a lot about in Arizona where I am. Right. Yeah. That was what I I was saying, that the landlocked state wants to know about kelp farming? Well, the whole wide world wants to know about kelp farming, because I don't know that there's a lot of people doing it and not like you. Give us your background a little bit. I know some of it, but where did it start and how'd you wind up in kelp? Okay, well, I'll try not to get emotional because the reason that I started this, uh, one of the reasons was because my best friend had cancer, and she decided to go on a raw food diet, ate everything raw. And one day we were having lunch together and she chose seaweed salad and I thought it looked disgusting. And <laughs> she told me that I was wrong and that I should try it. And I did. And she was right. It wasn't disgusting. And um, then as I, I'm a lobster fisherman, I'm a commercial lobster fisherman. So that's what I do six months out of the year. And I learned that kelp grows in my off season, so I figured, well, why not? Why, if, if other people can grow it, why can't I grow it? Although I do not have a green thumb of houseplants because I <laughs> don't own a houseplant. I kill every houseplant that I've ever had. So, But with kelp seed, it doesn't matter because you don't add fertilizer. You don't have to water it. You don't have to do anything. It just you put it in the water and it grows. It just so, happens. Yeah. So that's how I started was just my, my best friend made me try seaweed salad. And then I was hooked. And then I was like, well, I'll try it. And then maybe I won't have to work construction those six months that I'm not lobster fishing. Wow. <laughs> did, no, I got to ask, did you like the seaweed? But sea- that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you like the seaweed salad when you tried it? I, oh, yeah, I liked it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like seaweed salad and some of the other seaweed products just plain dried seaweed i would eat that too and my granddaughter my granddaughter is a huge fan of seaweed and she's only two and a half hey there you go start them young you gotta love that (laughs) now give me give me the backstory you come generationally your family are lobster fishermen correct um well my grandfather wasn't but my father is I am, my brother is, my nephew is, and my son works on a lobster boat. So there's a few of us. You said that's a six-month-a-year gig, lobster fishing? Yeah, I usually set traps in June, May, June, August, September, October, 
November. Yeah, from usually May, June to October, November, I will fish lobster. And then it's off to kelp, or when does kelp season start? Well, we started seeded my dad's farm and my farm, and just the other day we seeded my nephew's farm, and we have my brother's farm and one that's left that we'll be picking up seed around the 17th, 18th of December. So kelp is a cold water crop. The colder the water, the better and the faster it will grow. I don't think most of us stop to think about kelp seed. What's it look like? You don't plant it. What do you do? Getting kelp, it's actually fat. It's just like if you were going to find oyster spat. Um, it's microscopic. And if you looked at a fronds of sugar kelp or skinny kelp, there'll be some of those that have a really dark um, strip down the middle. And that's where the seeds are. And that's where they harvest the seeds, the spat from. You put that basically in a fish tank, kind of, except for a lot larger. And uh, you put spools of very, very, very small nylon rope. And then eventually those that spat will connect to that rope and then start to grow seeds. Amazing. I know, isn't it? It just, it just happens, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's cool. Now, in watching one of the videos... There's a great story of you and your father and coming to grips with the fact that you want to grow kelp and he is not 100% on board at that point. Can yeah. you tell a little bit of that yeah. story? Yeah. Well, when I first went to him with this whole idea, I was in a cohort with the Island Institute. So if you look up at the Island Institute, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It was, a, it was an aquaculture cohort and you could choose seaweed or you could choose oysters or mussels, scallops. And I chose seaweed just because it seemed like the simplest. And being a fisherman, I had pretty much everything that I needed. The only thing that I needed was a partner in crime <laughs> and someone with a bigger boat than mine and someone who could set the moorings that I needed. And that was my dad. And so he was just like, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah, I'll help you. And then the first time I brought seed home, and it was really like – I mean, you couldn't really tell. I mean, the the rope was just barely brown from the seed, and he was just shaking his head. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But we put it in the water, and I was so excited, and I was like, let's go check. Like, it, was, it had been like two weeks. Like, I don't know what – like, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not a farmer. I expected something to, you know, pop up in two weeks. Well, obviously, it takes longer than that. So we went over, and he's like, see, I told you. I told you nothing's going on that. And so then we waited a little bit longer and we went back and it just, it was a lot browner. Like, you know, you could totally see the difference between the rope that we had it on to the seed line. You could just see this brown seed line going around. And he was like, oh yeah, well, maybe. And then we go back a while later and it's this long and slimy. That is slime. We are not growing seaweed. We are growing slime. <laughs> And I'm like, Dad, no. Because when you would pick it up out of the water, you know, it would just stick all together. Sure. It, you know, when it was out in the water, it was all fronzy and nice. And so when we would pick it up, he'd be like, nope, that's fine. So, but eventually when it really did start looking like kelp, he, he agreed that we were we were actually growing seaweed. And he said we. So we were actually growing seaweed. It wasn't me, but right. he decided. And then, you know, we've done, I mean, this is our eight, eighth year of farming. And probably like the second or third year, he was like, yeah, yeah, well, when are we getting our seed and blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of years ago, he goes, well, why don't we expand the farm? And 
So we did that. And then my nephew started helping us seed, and then he wanted to do it. So we got him his LPA licenses. Well, we tried to get him last year. He wasn't old enough. He wasn't 14. So we put him in my brother's name. And then this year we got him for Cyrus. So, so now it's all four of us. We're all maxed out on the amount of uh, seed that we can have. So, Did she say her nephew is 14? At 14, I was scratching my head trying to figure out how to run a paper route, let alone drive a boat around the water and figure out how to grow kelp. That is awesome. High five to that kid. 14. You're like a real live sea farmer. You're awesome, kid. I mean, it's great. I mean, you just literally, you put it in the, in the water and it grows. You, you keep your eye on it to make sure it doesn't get tangled up, and then you harvest it. <laughs> I love the simplicity of it. I absolutely love the simplicity <laughs> of this. Me too. <laughs> I bet it's you so, do. You see people who are, who are in aquaculture and they're doing oysters or scallops or, right. or mussels and all the stuff that they have to do, and they, have to, and they also have to be careful when it rains too much that you can't harvest those things because if it's more than an inch of rain, then there's toxicity in the water, and you don't have to worry about that with kelp. So crazy. Actually, now- kelp is good for the ocean. Kelp takes out things that are like too much CO2, which we have in the ocean. It takes that out and makes the water cleaner. And they've learned that if you grow kelp around your oysters or your mussels, it, the shells will grow harder because of the they're taking out the ocean acidification takes that out and I the see. shells can grow. That's cool. Yeah. Sometimes I've told that I'm like, you know what? We might not make a lot of money doing this, but we're doing something good for the ocean. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's totally great. You're listening to Open Field Radio. So here you go. EcoSwing from Gowan, USA is an OMRI-listed botanical fungicide created using proprietary plant extracts. Gotta love it. EcoSwing is labeled for use on many different crops to control powdery mildew, botrytis, monolinia, alternaria, and several other diseases. And it's a global leader in fungicidal control of several key pathogens. EcoSwing makes a valuable addition to your integrated pest management program. Add another mode of action to your disease control defense and combat possible resistance from overuse of other actives. EcoSwing. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. So you know when you're digging around online and you find those lists of if you like this, then that. Well, this one's pretty cool. Maybe it's one of those they know you buy the company you keep kind of things. But I found a list that said if you like open field radio, then you might like these podcasts. Check it out. How about Smartless with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett? Not bad. How about the Ben Shapiro show from the Daily Wire? How about Dateline NBC? How about the Daily Show from the New York Times? That's only the biggest podcast in the world. NPR News and Conan O'Brien's podcast. You know what? You know them by the company they keep. That's pretty good company. That's why you listen to Open Field Radio. Greatness is hard to come by, but it's my job to find it. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. It's that simple. It's that one degree of separation. It's where ag and life collide. Open Field Radio, wherever podcasts are found. Quick shout out to some folks we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Big hello to Fisher, Indiana, Brooklyn, New York, San Luis, Arizona, Coachella, California, Irmo, South Carolina, Los Mochis, Mexico, Zurich, Switzerland, and Mugla, Turkey. Thanks for listening. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. Farmers like to talk about acreage. You know, we got these many acres and this and that. What is your measurement there? What are you going to do acreage? What do you do? It's um, by square foot. 
Yeah, we don't do acres. By the square foot? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I thought before we went down this path, I'd look this up a little bit. So I went to the state of Maine. That would be Maine.gov, Department of Marine Resources, a limited purpose aquaculture LPA license application. I'm looking at the page right now. And to do this, uh, there's a lot of little things to look at here. There's a lot of PDFs here, a lot of things. There's your renewal application. There's some training quiz support documents. There's information to assist completing LPA license application form sample gear, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot here. There's a lot to do. But instead of sorting through all that, I found the Maine Aquaculture Innovation Center, and they have some leasing options and it helps describe it just a little bit differently. And their little chart says, what are you going to grow? And you got no permit or an LPA or an experimental lease, standard lease, etc. And you can, it pretty well answers all the questions here, what you can do and what you can't do. So whether you're growing kelp Harvesting lobsters, oysters, mussels, etc. If it's coming out of the ocean, state of Maine's involved. And so, how many square feet do you farm? Or how, is that? Am I even thinking about it right? Yeah, we have to go through um, DMR, which is Department of Marine Resources. Okay. We have to do um, the applications for the lease. So we lease this part of the ocean from the state, and then our application has to go to the Army Corps of Engineers to make sure that we are in the right place and we're not hurting any sea life or any birds or anything like that. Yeah, so it's not it's not a simple process. And people who have bigger leases than we do, it's really hard right now, especially after COVID and everything getting backed up in the government. I know I have friends that um, do scallops and they are the same size as me now, but they went for a standard lease. And so they wanted to do, well, it was actually 15 acres for them because they went to a different, into a different lease than I do, but they've been five years. They have to have a meeting to make sure everything's, you know, okay with all the neighbors and, and all that stuff. But five years. Five years. Yeah. I did an interview with a New Jersey oyster farmer and mm -hmm. he, he talked about it. it's the first time I'd ever heard about leasing the ocean bottom. You know, I was yeah. like, what? Yep. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, yep, yep, you got to do this and you got to do that and on and on and on. So there's a lot of bureaucracy with it, if you will. But um, right. obviously the end result, you get all the uh, I's dotted and T's crossed, et cetera. The end result is beneficial. Right. I think it's just it's just another way of the state getting some of your money. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the case? Isn't that always the case? Somebody's got their fingers yeah, in there somewhere. When I started, I had to pay for my LPAs 50 bucks, and that was it. Then they made me pay for my LPAs, but then I had to take a class to make sure I could get those LPAs. So then I had to pay for the class. <laughs> and then they decided I needed to have a license. So then I had to pay for my LPAs, which went from $50 a piece to $100 a piece. I don't have to pay for the class anymore, but if I don't pass it, then I don't get my license. But literally all the questions are about bivalves there's probably two questions about seaweed so now i have to know all this stuff about biosecurity and all that stuff with the bivalve and now i have to pay for a license so yeah but you're up on scallops and right? mussels and clams and anything else so what the heck it's job security <laughs> just in case i ever decide to add something there you go now for me lpa stands for what uh limited purpose aquaculture okay there we go all right now i know see Learn something every day. So you decide, hey, we're going to farm kelp. Come on, Dad, we're doing kelp. Yeah, we're going to do kelp. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Where's the market? You go, I got it now. Now what do we do? When I went to the Island Institute, 
well, before I went to the actually before I went to the Island Institute, and I, and I looked up about growing seaweed, and I came across Oceans Approved, which was I think one of the first companies in the United States to start growing seaweed, and here in Maine, and the guy's name was Paul Dobbins, and so I went with Paul one day when he was seeding his farm to see. Well, if I'm going to do this, I kind of need to know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> right. That helps. So, so I went with him, and, and he, I had actually asked him to send me, like, his, like, a pamphlet or something, like, how do I know? And he sent me this huge, huge manual. And I was like, holy shit, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> and at first I was like, nope, forget it. But then when I went with him and actually seeded it and figured it all out, that I was like, okay, I think I think we can we can do this. And so once you harvest it, what do you do with it from there? At the Island Institute, there was this girl named Bree Warner. She ended up buying, well, she ended, she ended up, I don't know how the whole thing worked, but she ended up being the CEO of Oceans Approved, which was buying seaweed. I sort of just fell into it, kind of. So I had somewhere to get rid of everything that I harvested. So they take it all. Yeah. Okay. It's now called Atlantic Sea Farm. Okay. All right, and they have the and they have the the stream from there, so to speak, the distribution of it from there. Yeah, they have their own processing plant and make their own products right there. And is everybody a part of that co-op, so to speak? I, I think um, Atlantic Sea Farms has maybe around twenty-six farmers, maybe. So this whole thing with a localized, centralized processing uh, place, facility, co-op is very reminiscent of, if you remember, Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 22 with our sugarcane farmer. The sugarcane industry does the same thing. The farmers don't take the sugarcane to market. They take it to the processing facility that does everything from there. And it's a pretty cool system for them. They grow it, and from there forward, it's handled by somebody else. Very, very similar. I believe that episode is Open Field Radio. Honey, would you pass the sugar, I think it's called. Check it out for yourself. Are there a lot of kelp farmers in your area? The island next door to mine, uh, Vinyl Haven, they have a group of people that grow, but they don't grow a lot. They grow less than I do. And when, when you say a lot, what's a harvest like for you? How is it measured, and what's a good harvest for you? Well, when I first started, when I was just a tiny little farmer, I'm still a tiny farmer compared to pretty much everybody else because everybody else has gone to a standard lease. And just because of logistics for us, because of being on the island and uh -huh. getting it to the mainland, you know, we just can't do something bigger than we already are. Although, you know, the last two years we've gone bigger. So when I first started out, I think I had like 5,000 pounds. And last year we were just shy of 30,000 pounds. Oh my, good for you. But I mean, there are farmers here that, can do 14,000, 15,000 pounds in a day. Oh, yeah. I see. So I'm tiny. So you're in comparison, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. Are you in the middle of it right now? No, we're we're seeding. Okay. We've seeded almost everything. We just have one more batch to go through. We won't harvest until May, April, May, depending on what the weather is like and how long it is by then. And what's the, what's the harvest season like? How long does that take? Well... We've shortened that up, too, because I, I really every year we've changed something every You know, we've tweaked it every year, either in the planting stage or in the harvesting stage. Um, last year, we decided to use my dad's mooring scow to harvest. 
giving two people a chance to cut the seed off the line instead of just one. So that made it a lot faster. We It, it will take us probably mm, five or six days to harvest it all. Wow, you can get it all done in, in, in that amount of time. Yeah, that's a long day. So. Sure. <laughs> you know, eight or ten hours a day. Well, you're a farmer, darn it. It's going to be a long day. I know, right? Come on. Right? We get up early. <laughs> right. Now, I don't know about you, but as I listen to this and as I talk to her, I'm thinking, and no disrespect, this is pretty easy. Let's be honest. The one big factor is I don't have a boat and I don't have an ocean. And like so many things, there's got to be a market and there's got to be a path and there's got to be all those things. It's not cotton farming in West Texas, but you know what? It's got its own rules and its own set of challenges. Sounds good. Looks good on paper. Paper, but this is a lot of work. Well, the one thing I've noticed here, you're talking, you plant it, you harvest it. I talk to a lot of farmers, you know, and there's cultivation and there's spraying and there's things and stuff. You have none of that? Nope. Nope. I love that answer. Nope. That's it. Done. <laughs> Over and out. Is there any, obviously weeds aren't a problem, pests, I don't know, predators. Is there anything that in interferes with you? So the only thing is, um, so it's suspended. It's suspended underwater, so boats can travel over it still. And it, and you need to have the depth so it doesn't touch the bottom. Because obviously if it touched the bottom, then, yeah, you would have snails and crabs and sea urchins and, and all that stuff getting into it. But as long as, it, as long as you harvest it before it's too long and it touches the bottom, then you're pretty good. Sometimes we've seen a few snails but snails they're just super tiny and you can just pick them right off and they're you know out of the 30,000 pounds we probably had 10 snails so no, it's go. not a big deal not a big yeah. deal yeah we don't have to worry it's not like muscle farmers where they have to worry about ducks and whatever getting them and eating their crop sea urchins like it but like I said if you keep it off the bottom you shouldn't have a problem when you say suspended what what uh, is there a, a specific depth it likes or does it matter? You just got to make sure it doesn't touch the bottom. Yeah, I think most people like it around six feet. Six feet is going to give you enough depth so boats can travel over. So then you just need to, you know, when you obviously you set it, you look at your sound machine and you see where what the depth of water is. Mm -hmm. So when I when I looked at my, the the um, thing that Paul Dobbins gave me, he said that you need at least. 30 feet of water at mean low water and you need tidal action to keep it clean and wave action will keep it clean but not so much wave action that it'll get tangled up what's it suspended from so you have moorings and then you just tie your ropes to start at the very top of your mooring you go down the rope of six feet and you start it that low Let's go from one end to another. It's hard to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can send you some video of, of what it looks like coming off the spool. Now, she offered to send videos, but really there's no need. If you go to Google, I'm looking at Google right now while I'm talking to you, and you type in Karen Cooper Kelp. You're going to find more videos, and they're all awesome videos, so well done, tell great stories, and you'll get the whole picture of what this whole thing is all about. It's beautiful. It's real. Check them all out. And if videos aren't enough, she's in this very cool book. I believe the book is called Pretty Rugged, The Truth About Female Fishermen or something like that. It's by Allie Farrell. Look it up. You'll find it. Beautiful photos. Karen's in there. All kinds of things. Check it all out. They sent out a photographer. I'm in this book, it's called Pretty Rugged, and it's about women fishermen. 
And um, they wanted to do it about lobstering, but the time of year that they wanted to schedule me, I'm like, well, I don't have traps in the water that time of year, but you can come, you know, take photos of me harvesting kelp. So they did. So she gave me all these beautiful pictures, and I made a whole photo album because kelp is so pretty. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at gowanco.com. And now you know. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. I love to tell you about things that I like. And that's the only reason I want to tell you about them. And if you're like me, I take notes on post-it notes on anything. I'll write something down. But then what? I lose them, right? Well, here, if you're like me in that way, get yourself the Adobe Scan app. I love this thing. Get it on your phone, right? On anything you want. That's right. Get the app out. It's Adobe. Come on. It's going to be quality. Snap a shot of your notes with the camera in the app. Bingo, bango, bongo. You save it. It's a PDF in your phone just as you wrote it. From there, you can share it or do whatever else you want to do with it. But the one thing you won't do, I promise you, you won't lose it. Adobe Scan in your favorite app store. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Maine kelp farmer, Karen Cooper. What's your favorite thing about kelp farming? Well, the money, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love your honesty. I love your honesty. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I think the best thing about it is that I'm doing something good for the ocean. Like, I'm happy and excited that my nephew, who's so into lobstering, but because of the lobstering industry and it's just, slowing down and there's so many rules and regulations and I feel like he needed to diversify and so if he still wants to work on the water that this is a good opportunity for him. Well I'm fa I'm fascinated being as I am in the uh, the landlocked state of Arizona I'm fascinated yes. by folks that make their living off the water. I just think it sounds so romantic and like a postcard if you know what I'm saying so I, I, yeah. this whole thing is, is totally cool to me. So I, I grow kelp to make money from the ocean. I harvest lobsters from the ocean and I harvest salt from the ocean. So I also bring salt water home, let it sit in my sunroom, evaporate and make salt. And then I sell the salt. I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that. That is so fascinating. I went deep sea fishing for the first time in my life back in October. Of this oh, my year. God. So much fun. And, so much and fun. It's, it's the same thing. I'm out there on a boat off of San Diego with a, a, a captain and his crew, and this is all they do. And I'm like, this yeah. is fascinating. Just completely yeah. great. So I'm in love with the whole concept. <laughs> yeah. I've been to Arizona. Where? I was I was in I was in uh, Tucson uh -huh. in uh, March of 2020, just before they shut the country down. Yep, yep, boy, yep. oh boy. I rode I rode my bike up uh, Mount Lemmon. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I didn't know what I was getting into. I had no idea that it was 26 miles of up. Of up, <laughs> exactly right. That is exactly right. Well, I do a thing in the show. We've started in season three. I think it's pretty cool. The farming industry as a whole, and that would include kelp farmers, is in, um, I think, is 
pretty worn out and tired right now in 2022. But uh, we also know that the ag industry ebbs and flows. But with that, I love the idea of encouraging the American farmer. And so I ask all our guests, if you got an encouragement, uh, a thank you, and anything of any kind for the American farmer, your thoughts. Well, isn't it the American farmer that makes the world go round? I mean, <laughs> without them, where would we be? E- either an aquaculture farmer or a land farmer. Uh, people would be in dire straits without us, all of us. So, yeah, uh, support your local farmer and your local farmer's market. Oh, I love that. Oh, tell me this then. You said farmer's market right there. What's the farmer's market like in Maine? Do you do, you do kelp at the farmer's market? I don't, but a lot of people um, do lobsters at the farmer's market. Or they do oysters at the farmer's market. Oh, my gosh. Um, scallops at the farmer's market. Yeah. If you yeah. saw those at an Arizona farmer's market, you'd throw them out nope. right now. You'd nope, throw them out. Not either. <laughs> yeah. Is there any? Is there a such thing? Is there a such thing as freshwater kelp? Uh, no, that would be slime. That would be, <laughs> that would be slime. <laughs> that from the kelp farmer. No, that would be slime. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I love your accent. Oh, thanks. I don't think I have. <laughs> right. I knew that was going to be the answer, but you do. From us in Arizona, you do. If people want, if people want to know more about you or what you do, is there any place they can find you? Do you have a site? Do you have anything like that? No, just Google my name, and you'll see all the videos. And you will. Else. I've done it. You will. Yeah. That's a fact. So I yeah. encourage everybody to check it out because it's it's exactly what you think and not what you think all at the same time. And by the way, the story of you and your dad and that whole thing is just. It's not only so touching, but so real and so, so great. So, oh, thank you. Everyone's always like, oh, that video just made me cry. I'm like, oh, God. We weren't setting out to make anyone cry. Well, it is yeah, very it touching. Is, yeah, that's what people tell me. <laughs> You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission.